This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Hello, hello, hello. It's me, Coffee Fitness Unicorn, your pocket DJ, and you're listening to Coffee Chats Podcast, a show where storytelling and coffee hang out. Today's special guest is author, fitness expert, and podcaster, Kayla Von Egdom. Hello, welcome to the show. Thank you. It is so exciting to be here. Awesome. So we have a unicorn uh, connection, a fitness connection, a coffee connection, and a podcast connection. So we have a lot to um, unpack. Um, but before we do that, why don't you let the listeners know a little bit more about you, your books, and what you do? Yeah. So I am, as you said, author, health coach, fitness expert, podcaster, more recently, also adding in the energy healing aspect of things and really helping people work on the inner game. And what I have really been working on is creating a movement that helps people address their health challenges, eating challenges, body image issues, challenges with their sexuality, not just from that place of the physical and the strategy, but addressing the mental, emotional, and spiritual components as well. And that book I've more recently come out with is all about, it's called Your Body is Not a Weapon, Healing a Fractured Relationship with Food, Physique, and Sexuality. And I'm looking very forward to to talking about that. Um, Let's start with maybe a little bit of your background. So how long have you been in the fitness uh, industry or, or being a, a coach? Let's start with that background. Yes. So I got all my certifications and schooling back in 2013, 2014. I became a full-time personal trainer and health coach in 2015. And I worked there up until the end of August in 2021. And that was at the time when I started to feel a shift in my energy. I started to feel restless because I could see all these incredibly capable, awesome clients I had that were doing all of the strategy stuff. They were showing up to their workouts. They were killing it. They were working on their nutrition and their habits. And they still seemed to often be stuck or things weren't landing, or they weren't happy with themselves, no matter how good they felt they performed and how much they reached their goals. And that's when I started taking my education more into the spiritual realm. So I've also been certified through the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. So I'm super well-versed in that mind-body connection. And more recently, I have went through both levels of the inner coach school, which really gives practitioners tools to use when their clients know what to do, but there's stuff that just keeps getting in the way. That's, and that's totally cool. I'm, I'm really glad that you said that because, you know, a lot of times, especially back in the fitness industry, let's, let's go back to like the seventies, right? You've got Arnold Schwarzenegger and you've got like Lou Ferrigno, right? So these are like the pinnacles of what we know of physical fitness. And it was very, you know, male energy, male dominant, which, and rightly so, because you didn't see a lot of women doing these things. 
And now with this shift, we are, um, we are the white knights we've been waiting for. You are the heroine of this journey. Be the hero. And you are the hero. And tell us how you became hero of your own story. Like with this book, how did you get to this point? Your body is not a weapon. So I pretty much had to sweat a lot, cry a lot, almost die once or twice to get this book written, suffered a lot. So what it is, it's the distillation of all the lessons that I learned from my own challenges with food, with body, with sexuality. All of these things happened for me at a very young age. I was initiated into all of this at six years old. I experienced some trauma. In response to that, I put on a lot of weight. I started sneaking food. I started overeating. And of course, then you're in elementary school where you've got these little kids that have no filter that are telling you how fat you are, how unacceptable you are, how not good enough you are. And that was something I carried with me for my teens, my early 20s. And I went on this very destructive path to try and like fix my body and fix myself at all costs. But it was a very ill-informed way of going about it. It was actually more harmful than helpful. I learned a lot from doing everything the wrong way. And that's what this book is all about. Here are the places that I faltered and the places that I had to outgrow. And I really always try and bring it back to the reader. It's kind of like my love story to my ideal reader. of Like, you're not alone. I understand what you're going through. And here's how you can take these challenges that you've had that are incredibly painful and turn them into growth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I love that you have the, the activation questions in there and that you involve the reader, you help them. So you share these stories, you share pieces of yourself, you, you tap into and you're honest, you're, you're brutally honest, but it's very endearing how you're honest. And, and so thank you for sharing that um, with us. Like you said, you also want to bring us in and say, okay, look, when you do things the hard way, it also lets you know you're never going to do it that way ever again. Yes, absolutely. Right? Um, what I thought was interesting was um, there are no stigmas. So like the the bullying that you experienced, all of that stuff, like now it's okay to like call people out and say, no, you can't treat me that way. So my, my question to you is, and of course, we're not going to um, encourage violence. However, uh, your bully, uh, these bullies, these people, like, have you thought, how would I confront them today? What would I do? Would I, would I want to, you know, punch them again, not without inciting violence, um, but like, what would be your approach? Uh, how, how would you handle some, a situation like that now? at this age. Are you referring to someone who's bullying me now or someone who is someone from my past who bullied me that I'm confronting you? The latter. And it's funny. I am now like 33 years old and 90% of me has become very evolved and understands they were young. They were either six years old or even in my early twenties, they were in their early twenties. And I can see where they're coming from and how they have probably evolved since then. And also there is this leftover 
raging like early 20 something year old Kayla's who if she saw them she would be like look at me now bitches am I allowed to say bitches yes absolutely and I feel like that's been like the greatest triumph is you didn't they didn't see my worth because I didn't see it myself they're only reflecting my own stuff but now I see my worth and now I'm surrounded by people who also see it so not even caring how they view me or see me is like the greatest victory I love that. That is like the, but the fact that you're, the way that you answered is like, that's so evolved that it was like, like that was the most beautiful, perfect answer. I was just like, and that, and the unicorn has revealed itself. I was like, that's awesome. How, like, when did you get into unicorns? Have you always been into unicorns? Like, what is, what is your fascination? And you have a tattoo of one. Yes. Have you noticed how Coffee Fueled Stories doesn't have any ads? That's because I work tirelessly to keep this show alive. After three years on my own, I've decided I need to ask for your help. I've never asked anyone to subscribe. I've never asked anyone to leave a review. I've never asked anyone to rate the show. And I've never asked anyone to pay to listen. There are a few ways you can help support the show. I've created a Patreon page, Coffee Fueled Stories and a subscription section on my podcast website. It's simple to support and help me keep my dream alive. Just click the link in the show notes to set up your paid subscription option. It's that easy. Thank you for your support. I do. Funny story about that tattoo. So it's um, the four elements because I'm obsessed with the four elements. Air is unicorn. I have a Charmander as my fire. Uh, a dinosaur is my earth and a mermaid is my water because all of those mean something to me unicorns I haven't always been into them like I've always thought they were cool and then I actually went to this like naughty club once in like my very early 20s and there was this super hot woman dressed up as a unicorn doing a dance on stage and I was like this is the best thing I've ever seen and that's honestly where my unicorn love came from that's awesome that is so cool and it's and it's funny that you you say that because you know a lot of the times you know as little girls like people are into unicorns like my mom I had a pink room and I hated pink I hated pink growing up and everything she got me was pink and and I was like my favorite color is blue and green like I like the ocean like water and nature and those were her favorite colors too but she always gave me pink and now, so this, this goes back to now, if I was a kid, I would be like, pink that unicorn up mom. Like you want to give me pink, give me pink unicorns with like, you know, a purple horn and like blue and green mane. Like I would, you know, figure out how to incorporate that. But, you know, obviously this is how we evolve. We learn, we grow, we take those experiences. Um, but, and, and unicorns are they're badass now. Like it's, it again, it goes back to like no stigma, like having a unicorn, like we can own that. It's not like, Oh, I'm in the unicorn. It's like, no, hell no. I'm in the unicorns. Like we rock, yes. get out of the way. Or I'm going to stick you, you know, like again, not promoting violence. Um, but <laughs> on that note, let's, let's tap into mindful eating. Cause you also bring that up in your book. And I love that you talk about become the authority on your own body. 
and and mindful eating and how important that is. How how would you describe your process to getting to that point? I was constantly reading new diet books, trying new strategies, letting everybody else's ideas permeate into my own life. So I became vegan for a while because I read a book that said meat is evil and awful and everything's wrong. And then I read a book later saying, oh no, eat the yolks. Meat is so good for you because of da 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 And they had their signs. I'm like, I'm going to start eating meat again with a vengeance. Then I became almost a little bit like carb phobic for a while there. And it's been this journey of a few things. One is using that knowledge, but using it as a jumping off point for my own experimentation and seeing, okay, what happens to my energy? What happens to my hunger levels? What happens to my sleep? What happens to my ability to be focused and productive? And what happens to my mood as a result of eating in this particular way? And then I'm willing to tweak things based on what I find in my own practice. And that's what being an authority means to me is using other resources and science and all that stuff, but as a starting point, not as the be all end all and choosing to make it your own and find what works the best for you. A lot of us get excited. We find, oh, there's this book, there's this diet, there's this new science, right? We get excited for the science and you tap Mm -hmm. into that. You actually talk about the science, see how you feel. Um, try when you eat this, how do you feel? I'll tell you what, um, when I was working with my personal trainer, I, I didn't know that all of that is so important. Eat this and see how you feel. I just, you know, cause I, we go to you guys, you guys are the fitness experts. You guys have the nutrition background. We're like, you tell me what to eat. But the part that I didn't understand was how do you feel? Mm-hmm. What is a sleep warrior to Kayla? I get made fun of for this. <laughs> so get ready. Okay. Uh, so I still work two days a week at my door building job. And I like to start those days with like a workout, meditation, journaling, which means getting up at 3 a.m. So my bedtime is between like 6.30 and 7. And that sets me up to get around that eight hours of sleep. And um, it's definitely easier in the winter than in the summer. But I find ways to make it work. That's all, and that that's actually, um, I love that you said that. So when I was working, um, I had my corporate job, and I would wake up at four a.m. and I would jump mm-hmm. on the treadmill. I would get all of that out of the way, and same thing. I was like, by nine o'clock, forget it. Like eight to nine o'clock was like my. I was like, good night, world. I'll see you at four a.m. So I get it. I get it. There's there's no um again. There's no stigma. So you wake up at the bloody butt crack of dawn. You deserve to go to sleep early. So kudos to you. Good for you. Oh, thank you. I mean, I have like a brother who's like three hours ahead time zone wise. And he's he's always like, I'm up later than you. And I'm this. And it's like, yeah, dude, are you getting up at 3 a.m. your time? I don't think so. It's cute. Right, right. So what, how many meals do you eat? So because you've gone through this whole process, and I know Mm -hmm. that we're really breaking down your book into like these small little bite-sized chunks, but what does, um, walk us through a day uh, in the eating life of Kayla? What does that look like to you? And this is something that actually changes based on what type of day it is. And that's something I would encourage your audience to think about. What are my fuel needs for one day versus another day? So a masonite day, that's where I build doors. I'm like on my feet for 10 hours and I'm usually building the heavy solid core doors 
and it's a very physically demanding job. So that will look like having my breakfast super early before I get to work. It historically has been like eggs, maybe some bacon. I'm actually changing things up because I'm working with an Ayurvedic health coach and that's a whole other story. But um, now it's been steel cut oats made with an apple in it. And then I'll have usually a snack, which will be smoothie, maybe a protein bar if it's too cold for a smoothie. That's at nine o'clock, 12 o'clock my lunch. It was almost always a salad with like the seeds, the nuts, um, protein. I've been told in winter to try and eat more hot food. So now it's like stews or stir fries or those types of things. And then I'll usually come home and have dinner and that might be something I've made or sometimes my fiance as we talked about he's an amazing cook and I'll have something he's made so that's really busy like demanding masonite days my other days of the week food's very similar but I don't normally need that snack it'll be like breakfast lunch dinner and I'm usually good I love that you said that because and you also address that in the book too depending on what your energy needs are and that's that's very important so like same thing for me, if I'm having a rest and active rest day, my rest days, my food isn't going to be the same as on the days that I'm going to do like legs and back. So on legs and back, I'm going to give myself a lot of fuel. I'm going to make sure I've got good protein and I've got some good healthy carbs in there. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that you you address the, the the two different types of days. And I think that that's also very, very, very important to, to understand you don't have to eat, like I said, on the back and leg days, you know, my food content is very, you know, protein focused and, and a little bit heavier on the carbs and on the lighter mm-hmm. days on the, like the chest or the arm days, I'm not going to eat that much fuel. I'm going to scale it down a little bit because yeah. energy, energy is key. As a child, one of the, the stories you have in here, um, it's kind of funny, uh, your eight month old story that you referred to you were very food driven as a child yes and and I love that story about like the the golden arches like you got excited and like your little leggies were 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 kicking I don't know about you I'm going to start with my mom because my mom heard it before my my wife heard it but does your fiance hear you say I'm hungry all the time yes and (laughs) I think he also hears me say Oh, I'm so grumpy. I must need food. <laughs> that happens a lot too. So to, to tap in, so it's nice to know that someone out there is always hungry too, because yeah. I am always hungry. And my mom, so the, your story reminded me of a story that, that my mom told me. Mm-hmm. She said, when I was a baby, she would feed me three jars of baby food. And so she told the doctor, I can't remember. She told the doctor or called the doctor and was like, um, she eats non-stop like she eat like I give her three jars of food and like she wants more and he said then feed her (laughs) and that's how I'm like it's nice to know Kayla and I if you and I and our moms were together in the kitchen they would just be like these constantly and the two of us are like yeah more food more food give me more food mommy Yes, right. And then they would probably commiserate over the amount they had to spend on baby food and all other types of food that they weren't expecting. Right. And I don't know about you, but my mom said I had these. I did. I had rolls. Like there are pictures of me, like my little, my little chunky. I was so, I was the typical chunky baby. I had the big chunky cheeks. I had like rolls in my arms, rolls in my legs. And, and, but again, you're, you're a 
baby and it's okay like please don't starve your children like right yes and so I love that you are you you get to still say I'm hungry and yes part of being cranky is I ask myself oh when was the last time I ate Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I don't know if you have clients male clients is that a guy thing too? Cause it's definitely like women, like I feel like we, if we start to get cranky, it's definitely a food thing. Like, is it the same for men, like with their bodies too? Not to the same degree in my experience, <laughs> at least the men that I have trained and my fiance is such a good match for me because he's the most even keeled person ever. And I'm like all over the place like this. My, like, my, my energy is just frenetic compared to his. And he is like, he's got maybe a hundred pounds on me and he's like five, six inches taller. And there'll be times when we're eating and he's like, I'm full. And I'm like, I haven't, I'm, I'm still so hungry and I haven't even like eaten and I have, I want to finish. And it's crazy how, um, how different everybody is. And I find like men, their mood isn't as affected by whether or not they're hungry as a woman at least the ones that I've worked with and the ones that I know quite well I'm hungry all the time and it's just it's nice to know I'm not the only one and that's what's beautiful about your book your book lets you know you're not alone and that you address this in that you know that you are super food driven and that you've been food driven since you were a child you literally have and I am quoting you Appetite is not the enemy. Yes. Yes. I love that. And that be an appetite detective. This goes back to your activate questions. Okay, when I eat this, how do I feel? When I eat this, how do I feel? And so the fact that you said appetite is not the enemy on page 34. Everybody, page 34. Appetite is not the enemy in Kayla's book. What made you decide to write that? Like, is that something that you, like how did you come up with that that statement like when did you realize appetite is not the enemy I think I realized it down a few different pathways so the first one was I spent a lot of my early 20s excessively restricting I was probably super malnourished except when I was binge eating but then you're still malnourished because you're eating Doritos and Mr. Noodles or whatever exactly and I think had this big epiphany twofold so one I went to actually see a counselor and told her what I was eating in a day and she was flabbergasted she said that's all you're eating in a day I would be hungry just eating that and I sit in a chair all day while you're training clients and I realized my appetite is actually trying to tell me that I'm legitimately not getting enough food and when I started to be that active appetite detective and started to do some of that experimentation to figure out what's my appetite telling me. And I can actually capitalize on the messages it's sending me so I have more energy and so that I feel better. And then the other piece of this was I realized often I thought my appetite was the problem when many of the times when I was turning to food, it had nothing to do with my appetite. It had to do with these emotions I was trying to suppress by eating And that's a huge distinction to make. Is it your appetite that's coming to play here? Or is there something you're wanting to distract or numb out from? Yes. Eating boredom. 
right? Yes. You're just sitting there. And um, so for me, one of the things I like to do, and I don't know if you're uh, like this as well, um, I also don't want to forget this this topic too, since we're talking about appetite and eating and restricting, um, overtraining and under eating. So I would like to tap into that. Um, but one of the things I like to do, um, and I don't know if you do it, when I'm reading, I love to snack. There's something about wanting something crunchy while I'm eat, reading. So, uh, you know, nuts, um, a couple of pretzels, uh, carrot sticks, something. I don't, I don't know what it is, um, but my family is the whole, all of us, we're the same way. When we're sitting and reading, we want to like crunch on things. And so like, is that not, not like a boredom eating, but like, I, I'm curious to know, like, why is it that all of us in our family want to do that? Like, what's up with that? So I'm not sure I can speak to why everyone in your family does it, but I can speak to the fact that oftentimes it becomes habit loop where these two things are linked in a person's brain. And if you've seen like both your parents do it, you're like, oh, I've got my book. I got to have my snacks too. And you actually create this link between them. And I'm weirdly the opposite. Like if I'm reading, like my two hands are full and I want to, I would love to know if you're like this, if it's a new shiny book, I'm like, I can barely crack this spine. I need to like turn like this. So I'm, I'm really like, my hands are occupied. If I'm watching TV, that's a different story. Then that's where I have that like food TV connection. So what I found is I'll start playing some stupid game on my phone instead sometimes just to give a different pattern to my brain to start to change things. Very cool. So that's interesting. Yeah, because that's that's probably and I didn't even realize that I was probably watching my mom read and she and, and it's just like you said, there's a link there and and so I, cause I asked my mom, I was like, Hey mom, when you read, um, you know, do you like not even realizing that she probably was doing that. And then I come to find out, um, you know, other members of my family, they also did that. So they probably saw their mom doing that. My grandma probably, or something like that. Like I said, there's that, that, that link. And this is what I love about the science about this stuff. This is where yes. I can like nerd out and be like, Oh, that's why. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and you're welcome. The overtraining and under eating. I, I've experienced that myself. I've done that. I've been guilty of that, but I try not to. And you clearly were doing that. But how do you talk to your clients and let them know, don't do this thing? So I take it from a few places. One is I tell them if you are expanding an excessive amount more than you're taking in, your body is going to assume it's on a desert island. And if it thinks it's on a desert island, it's going to be in a stress response. You're going to be in like your nervous system that isn't primed for like calorie burning digestion. So you're going to hold on to everything anyways. The other thing is if you're training really hard, you're pushing your body to its limits. So so think about if you were to try and drive a car a long distance, but you're like, I can make it on a quarter tank. I don't care if I'm driving like... 500 miles or kilometers or whatever, I can do it. You're going to run out of gas and you're probably going to mess up your car in the, in the process. So what I like to really frame it as is you're give you're challenging your body and you want to give your body the fuel it needs. I'm looking at it from a place of quality. So where's the quality protein? What carbohydrates are going to serve me the best? What nutrients am I getting? Am I getting a well-rounded amount of different types of food, different colors of 
vegetables, fruits, and really looking at it from that place of diversity and nourishment versus like, I just got to get my body as lean as possible, as fast as possible, because that's how you hurt yourself and actually not get those results. And I love that you said that because you have in here on page 55, Mm -hmm. action, not results. 145 pounds on a woman today, if Mm -hmm. she is just muscle, strong, lean, just beautiful. 145 pounds on my frame, it's Mm -hmm. not bad. If it's muscle, it's not bad. Mm -hmm. So how do you work with your clients to tell them the scale is not your enemy and that action and like, don't focus on, like you said, like, like being more consistent, like how do you coach them into consistency, consistency, like not perfection, progress, all of, all of the things that we know in our head to focus on instead of that damn number on the scale. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest distinction that I've been able to make is notice a pattern with myself and with clients I've worked with. And that is, how do I phrase this? When I am taking really good care of myself and I have that like that balanced mindset that isn't perfectionist, but is very like one right move at a time, one action at a time, very process focused. When I am taking care of myself across the board, so physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, I don't really care what the scale says. I can be like, I'm fine. I got this because I know my actions are in alignment. And then I can look at the scale and it can be one number and I'll be totally fine. But what happens for many people, and I've experienced this myself, is when we stop taking good care of ourselves and we neglect our workout programs and we stop meditating or doing those things that help our mental health, if we're like consuming an excess amount of processed food or junk food and we're doing it to kind of escape a situation or an emotion, then we can look at the scale and like beat ourselves up. But is it so much the number we're beating ourselves up for? Or is it for the misaligned behaviors that that number is really just a symptom of? And that's something I really try to coach people around because that number only has the meaning that we give to it. And when we are in a place where we're not happy with how we're showing up, we're going to make that number mean something very different than if we're taking great care of ourselves and see that number. That's so cool. Um, you know, and, and I have in here mindful scale behavior that's from Mm -hmm. your the mindful scale behavior. And yes, and that is weigh yourself once log your food, do your physical routine, weigh yourself once, like try not to get caught up on that, that crazy making behavior of, you know, like cycling on that scale, like every day, getting on the scale every day. Cause that's not good. Exactly. As you're reading your book and you're learning, prioritize creativity in there. So you talk about meditating, again, having that that balance and you offer ways to retrain the brain. So you have your podcast, Slay and Thrive. And and then I think that kind of relates to like at the very, prioritize creativity. Mm -hmm. So you have your job. You have your workouts, you have your fiance, you have your food. What do you do for creativity? How do you, how are you creative? What do you do to express your creativeness? 
there's a few ways one is I honestly consider my podcast my business all those things like a creative outlet because I'm sharing ideas maybe I've pulled from and trainings I've gone but I'm putting them together in a way that is like very uniquely unicornly Kayla and then I do love to also write fictional books at the same time so I we were actually talking about this you were going to call me a first time author and I'm like actually this is my seventh book coming out or is this yeah seventh book um so I've written a lot of fiction as well and that's just such a great way for me to express myself um and then yeah the podcast is another big one as well that's so cool do you have any like other projects that you're thinking about like trying or experimenting with like create like painting drawing what what's next for Kayla interesting I have a few limiting beliefs around like my musical capacity and my like drawing capacity in terms of like art and I actually did a podcast interview with a creative back in like November of 2021 and we talked about why I have this resistance to drawing and it's because I created this drawing in grade two where my teacher hated me a little bit I had my drawing and it was not great because I I, I'm more of a writer than an artist honestly and then she comes up to me with this other girl's work she's like look how much better this is look at the detail here look at yours you didn't even try and I'm like dude I did try I'm I'm just uh not as artistically inclined as this girl and honestly that classmate went on to do cartoons for the new yorker and i got compared to that so since then i'm like i can't draw i don't want to draw so what's next for me i actually have two more books to edit and then i have a fictional book that i have wanted to write for years now and it's actually called unicorn thunder like how is that for a title oh my god like when you Please let me know when that is like available because that that just sounds amazing. It, it it's gonna be a little dark and it's an interesting concept, but I'll tell you the concept. If it sounds like your jam, it's all yours. Awesome, awesome. All right, let's let before we tap into that. The one thing I want to do before we forget is we had talked about Carolyn Elliott and the quote from your book that really resonated. Um, so there's a couple, these are one quote is from her, two are from you. So Mm -hmm. her quote is the very thing that makes you magnetic to your people are the same things that make you repulsive to others. And then this is your quote. I see you, I get you. And then what I loved about your book is you say specifically how, what this book is, it's skill set, training and experience. And that really, so these three things like really resonated with me about your book. So let's talk about Carolyn Elliott, because I I didn't know who she was. I I had to go look her up. So I I don't want to, you, we meant, you talked about this the other day. So please let the listeners know who Carolyn Elliott is and um, share a little bit more about this particular quote. So I discovered Carolyn Elliott back in February of this year. I saw her book called Existential Kink, and I read the back. I'm like, this is a really sexy way of doing shadow work. And I read it, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. All these things I didn't understand about myself, I now get. And it it was such a freeing experience. And I've done a couple podcast episodes just talking about what I learned from her. And then she has this, um, it's called Electric Yes. So it's her monthly membership. 
she has so much content on there. And one thing she helps her people do is business writing and like showing up fully. And she talks about when you are like the fullest version of yourself, that's going to make you really magnetic to the people who are meant for you. And it's also going to really turn off the people who are not meant for you. And that was something that helped me bring this book into this world because there's some interesting stories in there as you have have read and there's some stuff that could open me up to judgment from others and make me repulsive to a certain group of people and I had to own that and be like that feels really uncomfortable to be repulsive to certain people and then I thought about my years as a personal trainer and there weren't many of them because I had amazing clients but there were a few I was like I could be repulsive to you if it meant I never had a training again. That's okay. Because we're, we're human beings and we're not going to resonate with every single person. And when I was able to be like, I'm going to bring this book into the world and trust that the people who need it are going to find it. And I'm going to risk being like judged, shamed, all the things because it's that important. And I, I love that you said, and that's why I see you. I get you like that really. So those things, and it's because you took, your skill set mm-hmm. and your training and your experience. And that's how this came about. This is how your book came about. And, and there's so many things, um, you know, within this book, you know, I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to, to walk us through all of these stories and share your background, share your history you are doing uh so unicorn thunder so i'm I'm gonna hang on to that one um <laughs> and uh so for those who want to learn more about you and your podcast where can the listeners tune in to you so the podcast is called slay and thrive transforming your body and mind through spiritual growth if you want to find more about carolyn elliott I think the episode I did on her stuff was called having as evidence of wanting or something along those lines. And then I'm on all the social media. So Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at Kayla Van Egdom. Awesome. And in your book, you talk about a lot of books that resonated with you, that that you shared, that moved you. Um, one of them was called Super Better. Yes. And, and I didn't want to look into that because I actually wanted to ask that. So I, I wanted to kind of leave with super better um, because we talked about super survivors the other day. And um, so when I got to that part in your book, after talking about super survivors, I was like, what is super better? I was like, I can't wait to talk about this. So will you please share to with the listeners about super better? Yes. So this book is hands down one of my top 10. It is so actionable and it was just a very game-changing way of doing any part of life. And the author, Jane McGonigal, talks about how we can gamify anything in our life. And when we get into that gameful mindset of like we're playing a game, we're more creative, we're less stressed, we take more risks. And she has these, I think there's seven steps that she takes the reader through And she gets them to apply these gameful strategies to the goals they have in their life. And this was the book I used to help with my weight loss journey. It also helped me navigate a super difficult breakup during the pandemic. It can really be used for anything, which is so awesome. That is so cool. And so I I broke it down really simply. Um, I just have threat, 
with an arrow to challenge. Um, so like you were saying, so it's kind of like, it's, it is a biohack. It's retraining the brain. And this goes back to, I try not to should myself. So instead of saying should, um, so I don't even realize I'm doing some of this stuff. Um, and so that's why I was like, I cannot believe that by reading this stuff and hearing others and learning from others who have, you know, that, that they follow the science, that they share these stories. And it's a way of just retraining the brain and how powerful that is, especially when it comes to food sleep, nutrition. And then the best part is we are not alone. We're not alone. You're always hungry. I'm always hungry. I'm going to start sending you pictures of food because food is good. Food is awesome. Like there's nothing wrong with food. Absolutely. I should send you some of the delicious stuff my uh, fiance makes also. Please, please do. Because like I said, I, food makes me happy now. Like I find joy in, in food and, and there's nothing wrong with it. Food isn't bad. Food is fuel and you can do good things with it. You can do bad things with it too, but obviously we're, we're going to talk about the good things and that the fact that we are always hungry. Like we were born hungry. I am so happy to know that I am not alone and that I was not the only one born hungry. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all your your food and fun and sharing all of your stories with us thank you for having me i have had an amazing time thank you go forth and be magical